to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss, and drink to, their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Marshhausen. And Sabrina, you've got some big news. Oh my God. Enormous news. So I left my teaching job this year, uh, and it was because I applied to the Peace Corps. And all of my clearances have gone through, so I am very happy to say I'm going to the Peace Corps. I was invited. <laughs> I was invited back in March, but legal and medical clearance withstanding, I couldn't really say anything. So I'm going uh, in September of this year to North Macedonia, the Republic of North Macedonia, where I will be teaching English as a foreign language, possibly teacher training. So that means, honestly, so for the show, I guess that means that, number one, this this next series that we end up doing, which we still don't know what it is yet, (laughs) um, could be our last as a regular update, but we'll know more when you get there about what recording might be like. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Definitely. I'm going to, the first three months will be impossible because I'll be with a family, um, but I'm praying that I get my own place. I'm praying. It does happen that you do get your own place. So I'm praying that I do get my own spot. Well, Where? and we'll, we won't take anything down. I'll probably move to a different provider, a different feed. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do at least some interim episodes um if not our usual every two week schedule and yes maybe we'll do some grand goodbye episodes as well before yes, you leave of course so that's big it is very big going I'm, back to europe I'm, I'm i'm a little overwhelmed uh partially because i haven't started packing or <laughs> doing anything of any substance whatsoever <laughs> You got a couple months. I do, but I also have to move out of my flat. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Got to make sure that all your supernatural paraphernalia is still in your mom's closet. Donate it. (laughs) Donate it to Goodwill. I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of it. You heard that. Anybody in the Augusta area, you want supernatural merch. I know. Go to any of the Goodwills. Any of them. So what are you drinking on this momentous occasion? I am drinking a um, 2016 Nore Moscata de Asti from Italy. Um, it you is... can't see me, but I'm shaking my head. I... Don't drink Moscatas. Moscatos. That's all. I don't all. like them at all. I, I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not always a huge fan of very sweet wines, but um, I like to just try random shit from, this is a little wine, I like to try random stuff. And it, I think it was like seven, what, uh, seven ninety nine. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a 2016 Nore. Moscata de Asti. And this came with nutritional information on the back. <laughs> That's unusual. Which is important because I'm on a calorie-restricted diet because I'm too fat for the Peace Corps. I had to write a why are you fat essay. <laughs> so I'm on a calorie-restricted diet to lose some weight before I go. That's so ridiculous. 
Yeah, I've lost over a kilogram, so I've lost over two pounds. So, well, um, good go. work. I keep it up. I believe in you. Thanks. You're going to be great. <laughs> it was a why are you fat essay. It was great. I was like, just because I'm fat doesn't mean I'm unhealthy. My blood pressure is better than anyone I know. So, yeah. um, <laughs> it's like, right? and my A1C is perfect. I don't, I'm not even pre-diabetic, even though I'm fat. Thank you very much. It was a hard essay to write, seeing as I have struggled with disordered eating, so it made me feel kind of low. So, there you go. Love it. Yeah, that's still going. Still going, just a little salty about it. (laughs) The only way to be. (laughs) I think today might be a wine and murder night first. Um, I am drinking a Chardonnay. Uh... And I'm drinking a Chardonnay because I bought it a couple of days ago for cooking. And because I'm still on my very restrictive diet that I am slightly bucking because I'm so pissed off about it. Um, (laughs) But technically, I'm not supposed to eat anything basically with flavor. And you're not supposed to have any alcohol. Again, I'm just going to have a glass tonight like I did last time. I can only have a glass of this one, so. Yeah, not going to get buck wild tonight like some nights. Um, but I bought this for cooking because all the alcohol and wine cooks off if you do it right. And, uh, I didn't want to buy another bottle of wine, but this one was, is a Duck Pond Fry's Family Cellars or Freeze Family Cellars. I can't tell which way it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, 2016 Chardonnay from Washington. And I got this from my local, um, liquor store which it was on sale um, because they do this thing where they only have a couple bottles, so they marked them down pretty heavily. Mm. So it's usually, it was originally, I think, a $14 bottle, dollar bottle of wine, and I got it for 10 Nice. So I'll, I, I find a lot of those deals. Um, but I don't usually drink Chardonnay. No, it's odd that we have two white wines tonight. Well, and not even for the show. Like, I just don't usually drink Chardonnay. I mostly bought it because I was like, I'm not really going to drink this. I'm going to cook this. <laughs> and now I'm drinking it. That's so okay. it'll be interesting. I'm not judging you. Tonight is a white wines only night. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet wines only night, apparently. Oh, my Chardonnay is usually dry. Yeah, this one is not. Mm. <laughs> Well, I think that's rather fitting, given today's episode of uh, Miss Fisher. Do you want to get right into it? Sure. Today we're watching Miss Fisher, Season 1, Episode 5, Raisins and Almonds. Well, we open um, on a young woman sitting in what looks like a library, and she's like at a desk reading... And she hears a sound, like a thud, and she rushes over, and she she finds a young man on the floor, seizing. And she's like, Saul? And she puts a ruler in his mouth and kind of like, it's like, okay, it'll be over soon, it'll be over soon. What does she say? Try not to resist it. Yeah, she's like coaching him through it. It, uh, completely, completely incorrectly. Yes, you are <laughs> supposed to make sure you're not bite down, but you're also supposed to put them on their fucking sides. Yeah, and you're not or, supposed to actually put anything in their mouth. No, you're supposed to hold their heads as well so they don't, like, concuss themselves. But, you know, 
My first aid is completely wrong. Was, I figured it was period, period typical first aid. Oh yeah, oh yeah, right. definitely. But well, as a as a as a first aid person, it it bothered the fuck out of me. <laughs> like I was like, oh god, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, the very next scene, and it cuts very quickly. I mean, again, very short, cold open. Mm. Uh, is an art auction, and as you hear the auctioneer call, it kind of pans over the crowd and. You noticed 90% of the men there are wearing yarmulkes. And so immediately we know this is going to be a very special episode. Another very special episode, right? (laughs) Another very special episode. Full of the Jews. Full of the Jews. What are we going to do? And I say, oh my God, wait. I say that in a joking satire fashion. We know how I feel about (laughs) neo-Nazis. And Nazis. We know how I feel about anti-Semitism. So, before anyone writes in... <laughs> if this is the first time joining us... <laughs> you you have to go back and listen to our other shit. Specifically, we have a couple episodes about Nazis. Yes. So, <laughs> We've so watched a lot, of ep- a lot of stuff from the 1950s. So, so please go back and make sure you realize that I'm... I'm I am in full satire mode this entire fucking episode because I have to be. You know, and I was going to save this to the review part. I will say this because of how this episode was written, it felt less like a very special episode than either of the last two ones that we've watched, which were also very special episodes. Very true. I mean, um, the writing was a lot more subtle. Yes. I thought. Definitely. There wasn't... So, since this was in the 1920s and before the rise of this kind of anti-Semitic... There was anti-Semitism because there has always been anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. And that's there, a plot point. <laughs> there, there has always been anti-Semitism. It's, it, it didn't just pop up unbidden from Hitler's brain in 1933. It's always been there since the beginning mm-hmm. of time, basically. So, it's not that. It's just that... Um, uh, it was very interesting. The uh, uh, we'll talk about it as it comes up in plot. Uh, well, and by the way, everybody looked like a five Australian actor, and none of them were. Oh, not true, actually. Oh. Um. So anyway, Miss Fisher puts yes. her hands up and buys a painting for uh, one hundred fifty pounds, which was very lot. And apparently, the pound symbol I made in my notes looks like a, just a very big Z, even though that's <laughs> the op- wrong way around. Um, but an old man interrupts the auction and basically starts berating the young auctioneer, who is a five Australian actor. Oh, okay. He's not done a whole lot. His, uh, his character name in this is Yossi Stein. Okay. And his real name is Adam Schmerl. Yes. And he hasn't actually really done anything. Um, he was, his last oh, thing did okay. was completed in 2014, but mm. he was in an episode of the Dr. Blake Mysteries. Is that why he looked so familiar and I couldn't like... Yes. That's, okay. It's the only thing you would possibly know him from. Okay, so he looks so familiar. Did I get through all of season one of Dr. Blake? I might have. And just erased it from my brain. 
It, like most of the Australian and British shows, was pretty short, so you probably yeah. did. Yeah. It was only 10, I think it was only 10 episodes. I might have Maybe done. less. Okay. He well. looks so familiar that I was like, he has to be. So good. I'm glad. All the other ones looked like they should be, but weren't. <laughs> Exa- yeah, and that's actually, I think we didn't have any last episode either. No, no actors. I'm telling you, one. they spent all their money. <laughs> On, on, um, on Eowyn. Yeah, <laughs> must have. So they were like, we have no money left for anything else. And we get some more wardrobe repeats this episode, so... Yes, the, the, the red cloche with the blue ribbon. Which she's wearing in this scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, the white coat. Yes. Um, which has been miraculously cleaned of right? Latvian blood. <laughs> Uh, Latvian blood. Who knows? It didn't stain. Dorothy. Dorothy. Dot. Well, is it Dorothy? Yeah, they're, you're correct. Both. Yeah. Must be like a wizard. Somehow. <laughs> she should advertise her own washing powder. <laughs> I know. Well, the reason this old man has interrupted is he's basically um, berating the young auctioneer and his son, who's there as well, for trying to raise money for their own selfish propaganda. Mm. And um, Miss Fisher follows both him and his son out because he has grabbed the painting and has started marching off with it and is talking about, well, how now he loves it. He didn't used to love it, but now he loves it. (laughs) Um, And she's like, that's my painting technically. And he's like, Technically, no. <laughs> yeah, no money has changed hands, so yep. no, no, it's not. But as he's walking up the street, uh, the young woman we saw from the open hails him, flags him down, and she's like, "Mr. Abraham, um, there's something wrong with Saul, or whatever." And so they go into what's actually a bookshop, not a library, and on the ground. You see the young man, and he has his seizing has stopped, and Miss Fisher checks his pulse and pronounces him dead. Sorry, he's dead. <laughs> we find out pretty quickly that he had really no history of epilepsy, so that for him having a fit was kind of weird, and Miss Fisher tells them to call the police. Uh, Dr. Uh, Detective Jack, specifically. Um, so he shows up and he's always like, it's always complicated with you, um, because she has no relation to this people or whatever. She's just showed up coincidentally on the scene. Yes, of course. It's like Miss Marple. Exactly. Who somehow is the second cousin to every fucking buddy. It is England. (laughs) So the thing about it is Australia and England are both islands. So legitimately, you could be related. Here, Miss Fisher probably isn't, as she's not Jewish. Or she might be. I have no idea. She could be related to Miss Levo. Yeah, she could. I don't think so. They don't look much alike at all. No. Even from a second cousin standpoint. No, so so Miss Miss Marple actually had a reason to be everywhere because she was related to everyone. Miss Fisher literally has no reason to be anywhere. Why would she be in the Jewish quarter getting auctioned off Jewish art. Well, she was very specifically interested in this one particular painter. 
And I can see Miss Fisher being a patron of the arts. Yes. And knowledgeable about art, which actually is a plot point in a later episode. Yes. Her connection with the art world. Yes. So that made a little bit of sense to me. Now, why she... The reason she's sticking around is just because she's busybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even going to question that. I was like, okay, you're just here to busy yourself. Well, while Jack is not looking, uh, Miss Fisher kind of prods the body and uh, finds a shard of ceramic um, by him and looks around and she sees a broken teacup in the trash. Hmm. And then she finds a warm teapot and kind of brings Jack off to the side and convinces him that Saul was poisoned. And Jack kind of questions Miss Lee, and she's immediately, you're kind of put on the scent of her because she answers all the questions like somebody who has something to hide would. Of course. But he takes her down to the station to do some more uh, formal questioning, and... One of the big things that we learn from this is that Saul was a Zionist. And that's what Mr. Abrahams had meant by the selfish propaganda that he was accusing Yossi Stein of. So we've heard Zionism a lot in Nazi propaganda and in other, like, alt alt-right, right-wing, and also left-wing propaganda, let's be real. Zionism Mm. is literally just the idea of a home state for Jewish people. That is it. That is all it is. And one might imagine why Jewish people might want a Jewish state for Mm. themselves. Now, Israel is Zionist in that it was created as a Jewish state. However you feel about Israel, and I am not a fan, uh, I'm just going to say that, but not for any anti-Semitic reasons, it is a Zionist state, but it was one created by non-Jews. So it has its own issues. A Zionist, a Jewish Zionist, believes that Jewish people, for many, many reasons, need their own state, both both for political and religious reasons. That's mm-hmm. it. That is it. No matter what the fuck else you've heard, that is all a Zionist is. When you're anti-Zionist, you believe... So anti-Zionism is the belief that Israel, as it is now, is not a proper Jewish state. Not that Jews shouldn't have their state. Just that Israel probably isn't the best place for it. And the only, and Israel was pretty much given to the Jews because of World War II guilt. It yeah. wasn't even, so it was not chosen by any Jewish person, although I'm sure most Jewish people would look at Jerusalem and Bethlehem and these places and think, yes, this is a pretty damn good spot for the Jewish state. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are many Jews that think that, but there are probably many other Jews who are like, no, 
this is a colonialist uh, endeavor. The Middle East was like drawn up by pencils after World War One, uh, di- divided up amongst colonialist empires. Why the fuck would we be here? Mm-hmm. So, Zionism is always controversial because you do have those two camps. I think that Jewish people should be welcomed everywhere they are, but I don't doubt that they probably feel like they should just be left alone. But Muslims believe in something very close to a Zionist state called the Caliphate, where it is politically and religiously a Muslim state. So we do have a bit in common there. Bader Meinhof, I just heard that that term for the first time today on a different (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Nice, nice. Obviously, being Muslim, I've heard about the caliphate pretty much my entire (laughs) life. So so the caliphate and Zion um, are similar ideas, where politically and religiously it is run by Muslims and Jews. And that is all. That is all. And I think I do think it's important to note that here in Miss Fisher, they are using it in that very purist form, Mm -hmm. the 1920s version of it. Because, again, remember, we haven't had Nazis yet in the Miss Fisher universe. Well, (laughs) depending on how... See... That's, I that's, mean, we haven't had the like full on World War II. Oh yeah, we haven't had World really War II. Really, all I meant. Unfortunately, Not, they do mention anti semitism, and that actually comes up as a plot point as well. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, fascism and Nazism was already starting to grow, mm-hmm. depending on when this was in the nineteen twenties. Um, I think it's like it I wouldn't feel, get. It wouldn't get I to Australia. I feel like it's 1923. Okay. So it wouldn't get to Australia for a while, but the ideas, the fascist ideas, the proto-fascist ideas and the proto-Nazi ideas were already starting to grow seed, especially in Italy and especially in Austria. So, um, it wasn't in Germany yet. I mean, possibly. But but so unfortunately, um it was already there and but Australia is so fucking far away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, uh, I feel like half the reason they were in the war in the for in any of the the only reason they were in the wars in any of the places is because of their affi- affiliation with Britain. Well, yeah, and yeah. and during World War Two, they were on the Pacific. You know. Yeah. The Pacific. But they so. probably really wouldn't have even been. I mean, I don't know how much they if they had no affiliation with Britain. They probably would have taken a lot longer to get involved in the war. They wouldn't have gotten involved at all because it wouldn't yeah. be a colonial state. Yeah, the well, I mean, like yes. the Aborigines would have been like, "Fuck off with you, white people! What the fuck are you doing?" I mean, yeah, but I mean, the U.S. eventually did get involved. I mean, that was kind of a tactical blunder, yeah, on the part of the Japanese. But like, yeah. the U.S. did eventually get involved, regardless. So I feel like maybe Australia would have gotten it drawn in regardless once everybody else started going it would have been really interesting because i don't know if the technology would have allowed it like like why i mean had there been literally no colonies on in australia had there been no white people the aboriginals would have they would have had their own technology their own weapons technology and thing but japan nobody would have looked at that as 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 something worth invading like Okay, there's a bunch of. They would have said, "Oh, there's a bunch of backwards 
you know, Aboriginals. Well, and I'm I'm just talking about like if Australia had had a war for independence the same way that the U.S. did. You know yeah. what I mean? If they weren't still very very British run. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking if there were no British people in Australia, Australia oh, would no. have never. Think, well, you know. You maybe. know what though? I feel like the Japanese. And this is super what effy, obviously. But the Japanese were very con- wanting to expand their empire, right? So if if Australia hadn't been claimed by another empire, I could see them maybe wanting. And it. had Japan's empire not been ruined, because Japan had a large empire until mm-hmm. China and Korea fought back, like <laughs> um, during World One and World War Two, when they were like, "Get the fuck out of our country." So yeah. if Japan had maintained its strength, properly colonialized Korea, China, and all the other like uh, Asian nations, yes. Maybe they would have expanded further southward into Oceania. But at that point, the Aboriginals maybe would have fought back. And oh. Australia is a lot. Like, Australia is real fucking big. Yeah. And I mean, China's obviously really fucking big too. So, like, I don't think Japan could yeah. have made a lot of inroads into China, but they could have had good control of the coast. They could have, and but the the really funny thing is, they would have looked at Australia and been like, "It's partly desert. Australia is mostly desert. Like, yeah. the most you're going to do is have the coasts. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the not many people live, you know, in the outback." Right. There, are, there are a few, but they're crazy. Crazy um, people and snakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. China, however, is much more attractive a place to try and establish empire, yeah. which is why people have tried. And only the Chinese succeeded. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Back at Miss Fisher's, uh, we find out that Sess and Alice are getting married, and they're thinking about moving because her uncle might give them part of his farm. And Bert is just standing there like, all right, well, get your gun. We can sell your part of the cab. Sure. Go. Who needs you anyway? Poor Bert. Oh, my God. I felt so bad. He was so upset. I was like, it's Okay. But I know he was so upset in such a dude way too. Yeah, and I was like, "But this is what socialism is about—going back to the earth and farming for your own like needs and the needs of the people around you." Come on, come on. He's being a good socialist. Meanwhile, in the front room, uh, Mr. Abrahams and his son Simon, which it took me the entire episode to realize what Simon's name was. Um, are visiting Miss Fisher to hire her to prove Miss Lee's innocent. Yes. I thought it was really cute because Miss Fisher was like, well, I don't think you'll like my rates. And I was thinking, oh, everything she does is like pro bono. What rates? And then he's like, the painting. And I was like, oh, you get it, Miss Fisher. Yes. <laughs> and I, when I first heard that line, I was like, that's slightly anti-semitic in a very like six layers deep way you know jewish people are always looking out for a bargain etc 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 and um i was like oh oh wait 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 and then you know yeah and then it was fine (laughs) but i was like oh 
I definitely also had that thought. I was like, are they making a Jew joke? <laughs> you can't make a Jew joke. <laughs> yeah, not this early. Like, not this early. And definitely a Gentile cannot make a Jew joke. Yes, Miss Fisher cannot make the Jew joke. Um, well, she takes the case for the price of the painting. And she goes down to the station where Jack, who has become a lot more lax on some of his policies, uh, shows Miss Fisher some uh, texts that he pulled from Miss Lee's bookshop, which includes racist anti-Semitic drawings, um, and does confirm that they think it is strychnine poisoning, strychnine, and also, again, um, lets her know that Saul was a Zionist. Yes. Can you even get strychnine anymore? The thing about it is, like, everyone's like, yeah, we keep it full. Rats. For rats. And I was like, like, in my head, I'm like, we don't have, you could still get it. You just found it? Like, yeah. HomeDepot.com? Strychnine? Can, you can, <laughs> you can definitely still get it. Like, <laughs> for 23 bucks. <laughs> Like, I don't understand. That's how much it costs to murder somebody, apparently. At low doses. At low doses, though. It is a medication. Yeah. Doesn't Dr. Max say that? Uh, yeah. For gastrointestinal disorders. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Maybe you should try some out. Just going to self-medicate with rat poison here. That feels really millennial of me, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Jack also lets Miss Fisher go in and question Miss Lee herself. You can actually also buy it for rat poisoning in, like, ridiculous amounts. I I believe it. Like, a whole, like, oh, my God. (laughs) Holy shit. Who needs crystals? Just go to homedepot.com. Like in a 25 pound bag. Like, what the, what the hell? Who are you? What are you killing? 25 pounds of enlightenment. <laughs> My god. What the fuck? Uh, she, she questions Miss Lee and asks her about the racist text. And this is. Miss Lee says. I believe in freedom of speech, even for idiots. <laughs> well, okay, I don't. Um, and yeah, 2019 Carolyn was extremely like, look, that's not how it works. I got into a big discussion recently about how fascists don't believe in freedom of speech. They just think that you do. So they use it as like a silencing tactic, which is true. That's what they do because mm. fascists lie and that's what they do. But I said, no, I don't believe in unlimited freedom of speech. So that doesn't work on me. I'm fucking German and we kick you out if you publicly deny the Holocaust publicly. Like mm-hmm. obviously if you're doing it at dinner at home, we're not going to like break in and like kick you out of the country. But yeah, we find know. you, we find you, and we shut that shit down. If the police don't do it, because there are neo Nazis in the police, residents will do it. There was recently a um, fascist music festival in a small town in East Germany. Not a small town, 
medium-sized town in East Germany, and to make sure that nobody would get overly violent, they just bought up all the beer. (laughs) So there was no beer to be had in the entire town. That's great. So... Direct action. Praxis. Um... But I don't believe in unlimited free speech. I don't tolerate intolerance. So, no, I would Did you see the thing, a Ravelry? Yeah. So if you didn't see it, Ravelry, which is a knitting forum, um, they basically banned open support of Donald Trump from their forum. And because they're like, this is supporting white supremacy. And we stand for togetherness and inclusion, and white supremacy does not. <laughs> like, first social media platform to really stand and deliver. I know, like, and it had to be one that is mostly visited and used by women. Because mm-hmm. men aren't going to do shit. As long as, oh, um, you can't buy strychnine. In like twelve states, I'm sorry to go back to this. I'm just <laughs> amused that I'm just like, ah, let me buy some strychnine. <laughs> and those states are <laughs> like, like the NSA is so totally like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's buying strychnine right before she goes to Macedonia. Oh no, just kill you all. <laughs> no, but um, so women, people of color. LGBT or queer, depending on how you feel. I say queer, but I know a lot. Some people don't like that. Like queer people, people whose bodies are on the line daily, aren't all less afraid to go to the front of the line and fight mm-hmm. back. Men, however, have, especially white men. I mean, obviously, men of color, queer men, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera are you know intersectionality but for the majority of men in this country who are majority white still there is no great replacement there is no white genocide go jump off a cliff um for them they're safe they're fine they see no reason to fight and so why would they i well i was gonna bring this up last episode because we talked about revolution a little bit and Mm -hmm. violent revolution i find though strychnine just kill them all. <laughs> it's really easy. You could buy a 50-pound bag for like $100. Okay. That's not where I was going, but I like that joke. <laughs> uh, I find, though, that the people who are most likely to call for a violent revolution are the people least likely to be hurt. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting economy and because they see few like the the only time a revolution is effective in my mind and just in what i've seen from history and stuff like that the only time that's re- that revolution is effective is when the, the people who are the most affected by it are calling for it because that's when shit gets done yeah, right and i think now in 2019 we have seen that turnaround where the people mm-hmm. calling for revolution are the ones that are going to be the most helped by it um and yes they're all on the bread tubes in recognizing a communist physical appearance counts for nothing bread tube is really white like unbelievably white like leftist it's a white bread tube oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what a lovely callback yeah it's very, it's very white bread 
So, um, I appreciate them as allies. But as soon as the revolution comes, they need to shut up. And if the revolution is not led by minorities and the oppressed, it's not a proper revolution. If your revolution doesn't include disabled people, if your revolution doesn't include queer people, if your revolution doesn't include religious minorities, it is not a revolution and therefore mm-hmm. invalid. Which is a whole nother reason the Soviet Union wasn't really working for me. Yeah, it just didn't revolve, <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the other thing that we learn from Miss Lee that's important, we got to get off my first page of notes. It is 42 minutes into this recording. The oh. other thing we learn it from Miss Lee is that Saul was putting a book back on the shelf when he died. Um, and that she doesn't know which one it is, but she could probably has it in her records. So, of course, Miss Fisher breaks into the office. She flips through the card catalog and finds out what book it is, but someone else breaks in. Mm. Yeah, this the scene was really confusing. Yeah. Uh, she confronts him, but he knocks a shelf onto her. And then there's a big chase on the roof. And Miss Fisher has lost her gun because of the shelf. And so she throws a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. And he drops the book into the street, and he escapes, but she is able to retrieve the book. Yep. Uh, Meanwhile, Dot has tracked down the only other customer that was seen at the shop, um, a veteran of the Boer War um, named Archie Davies. And... For those who don't know, it was the Anglo-Boer War, 1899 to 1902, between Great... Uh, Britain and the South African Republic and the Orange Free State. So, aka, what would be, those two would become South Africa. I don't know what the fuck he was doing there. Why is an Australian, I don't know much about. Because it was a British colony. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like, what is he doing in South Africa? (laughs) British colony. I don't think like that usually. Um, It was, uh, the Brits were... The Brits were not prepared and mm-hmm. got their asses kicked, as I recall. Um, since having gone to school in in Britain, we don't get a like actual school. Like, I went to high school in America, where I got to hear about how great America was for four years. Um, that was fun. That was fun. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah, no country teaches frequently about their failures like it's i mean as much as like i mean i'm sure germany's a little different because world war one and world war two were very very big wars well well, so the really funny thing is world war one is taught as we had nothing to fucking do with it and then we had to pay all the reparations which is quite true we didn't start it <laughs> we you did fight it. We did fight it, but everyone fought it, hence World War. But like we we definitely didn't start it and it wasn't our issue. Like what was that issue had nothing to do with Germany as an empire well it wasn't really Germany at the time. As an empire or even as like what the fuck ever. So World War One is a tricky subject in Germany because we did fight it. 
and we fought it to the end. But we didn't start it, and the amount of reparations we had to pay for it was just because there was no other country left. Like, Austria-Hungary was gone at this point. So they didn't have any money to pay. And the only country that was left, basically, was what would then become Germany. Because Germany was still huge. It was still, you know, an uh, actual, like, empire. Right. And so, like, we lost... Germany lost all the lands, including what would become Poland and other Eastern European countries. And so, um, World War One is a bit weird to teach and to learn about because it's like, well, I mean, sure, we were an aggressor, we weren't the aggressor, and also the reparations were way out of line. And so, yeah, like I said, no one wants to teach about their failures. Yeah, but World War Two, we definitely want to be like, don't do this again. Yeah. Uh, so I looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, the outcome of the Boer War is that the British did end up winning. Okay. Um, they did so through the use of concentration camps and other yeah. super duper humane tactics. I read of, I, I, the only thing I know about the Boer War is that they, there's a tree in Joburg that was used to hang hundreds of bodies. Hundreds. Mm-hmm. And um, it was blessed, and they took those bodies back to Germany. So it was complicated. They took those bodies back to Germany for like, for like genetic and skeletal and racist geneticist testing, and they are begging for those bodies back to bury them properly. That's oh. all I know. It's a terrible, terrible. It's still going on to this day. It's a terrible, terrible terrible thing well uh bert is still mad at sess and so in this we have to go track down archie davies job they're like every man his own i liked i think i noted uh dot's tell when she's lying she touches her cross (laughs) that's cute what a great little character Like, she was the one that was like, and Miss Fisher said you have to work together. And as she's doing it, she's like grabbing a hold of her cross. Yeah, that's great. Good pick. Good (laughs) good pick. Um, But young Simon Abrahams visits and brings flowers for Miss Fisher. um, And she shows him the book, which just looks like a volume from an encyclopedia. And he's like, well, I don't see anything in the contents but uh, my father and his family hid valuables in the spines of books when they emigrated. And they did that. They do. They did that through every history of the Jewish people has something like that, including in World War Two, when they um, were sent to the first. Well, when they sent, were sent to the ghettos. That's mm-hmm. how they smuggled valuables in, either through the lining of the. Um, their coats or in their hems or something Mm -hmm. all through books so that was that's something that's been done and been passed down um for ages and also how people smuggled things into eastern germany when it was western east germany how my mother we had family in east germany how my mother smuggled things out of east germany into western germany 
My mother was a badass. She still is. <laughs> but she definitely was. She was like 13, 14 mm-hmm. when, when the wall came down. And so traveling, uh, Western Germans were allowed to travel to East Germany freely-ish with a visa and especially for family. And so she would smuggle back expensive pieces. Like we still have a lot of the, um, a lot of the old plateware and a lot of the old porcelain <laughs> from the, from the, the 19th century that she smuggled out of East Germany under her clothes. That's awesome. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, well, Simon knows this. So, they slit the spine and they find a page from the Kabbalah with some old, ancient Hebrew writing on the bottom. Yes. A clue. And he doesn't know how to translate it, but he knows somebody who might. So, he takes Miss Fisher um, back to the... JCC, I guess. I know. Like, <laughs> sure. What do they call the cut ka- ka- that starts with an eight? A shaba? I, you know, honestly, I couldn't tell what this was supposed to be other than just like a typical meeting space where the Jews hang out. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. wasn't a bar you know like it was no. just like we're gonna use the art auction room but for a different scene <laughs> um but yossi is pretty super rude to miss fisher right away um yes it is called a shaba because it's a place to hide oneself oh i was right we had one in augusta before it got uh anti-semitic problems with it <sighs> augusta tries we have pride we have like the Black History Month parade. We have some fairly progressive people, and then we have some awful things like after September 11th, a Gudwara, which isn't even fucking Muslim, was attacked. Um, like the fuck. Then we had this guy stand in front of the Muslim Cultural Center, which isn't a mosque because it doesn't have a minaret. Um, but the Muslim Cultural Center with a fucking AR-15. Jesus. Yeah, but since he wasn't on the property, he was allowed to be there because it was in public space. So there's just this guy standing in front of the Muslim Cultural Center with an AR-15. And the cops didn't tell him to stop. Gross. I love Augusta. Totally. Well, after finally agreeing to help, Ms. Fisher shows Yossi the page and he's like, well, I can't translate this for you, but I can go read texts. And he just like tries to grab the thing. And she notices some smudges on his fingers but she pulls it back from him and she's like, no, no, no. If all you have to do is read text, I can do that. <laughs> We're good. Um, so she goes to visit um, Haim Abrahams, who is the landlord where Saul lived. And that is the brother of the bookseller. Or I guess not the bookseller. He's really just the landlord of Miss Lee, who is the bookseller. But the point is, you know who he is. The other Mr. Abrahams. And she goes into Saul's living room and it is a laboratory. And they, she and Simon find the book where the page had been torn out of a full Kabbalah. And she takes it back. 
to her house. But also, while she's snooping around, Miss Fisher finds an earring. And what do you know? It's a match for Miss Lee's brooch. And she confesses that she was Saul's lover, but knew that it was never going to be much more than that because Saul had a wife in Poland and the, they were, she was, Saul's wife was waiting for him so that they could be reunited in Zion. And Miss Lee confesses that Saul told her he had finally found a way to make them enough money that Zion was going to become a reality. Yes. So, of course, Miss Fisher runs off and tells all of this to Jack. Jack dresses her down a bit for the break and entering, but he lets her off the hook because she gives him all this information. Yes. In return, he tells her that the poison wasn't strychnine. And they couldn't find any other possible points of entry, so it must have been a, except for a paper cut, so it must have been a contact poison or an inhalation. And that they also found black smudges on his fingers, Mm. much like Yossi Stein. Uh, Miss Fisher hands over the page of the Kabbalah, and Jack recognizes on it the two symbols, one for gold and one for lead. So alchemy. So alchemy. Any Harry Potter fan knows what those symbols mean. (laughs) Simon drops by at Miss Fisher's and tells him to ask his dad about the translation. Um, and she invites him for dinner. Meanwhile, uh, Bert is searching around for Archie Davies, and Sess comes sneaking up around him and steals the cab. And then after dinner, there's Simon and Miss Fisher are sitting by the fire, and she says that the translation was what is invisible let the flames make visible Mm. simon leans in for a kiss oh so she's like should you be sitting next to lady gentile and he's like you know i'll let fate decide or whatever (laughs) and then they hear something so fate has decided (laughs) (laughs) it's just yossi breaking in because he knows about the lead and gold thingy and he says that there is a formula that Saul said he had cracked. Yes, of course. he was double-crossed. And Miss Fisher makes Yossi unbutton his shirt just so she can see. Was he the one stabbed? Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. Not. Totally just have a young dude just strip. Go ahead. No. <laughs> hmm. But he was not. He, he was fresh out of stab wounds. <laughs> Uh, Jack visits the next morning after we assume Simon has gone home and she lets him know about the whole translation, the whole thing. And he asks for a match and Miss Fisher gives him this really cute, must be period appropriate lighter. It looks like a literal like lipstick case. Yeah. And he waves it underneath the page and lo and behold, a formula is revealed. I wonder what the formula actually was for. Like, that's what I'm curious about. I was like, that's not... You mean, like the one the prop people scroll? Yeah. I don't know. 
You can try it out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably fucking strict nine. <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> Easter egg. It's actually strict nine. You're gonna die. <laughs> Well, Simon couldn't have gone too far because he dashes back in and he's like, Miss Fisher, come quick. It's Yossi. And they rush to Saul's bedroom and Yossi is dead. Mm. And no one thinks it's suicide. Yeah. No, of course not. Uh, meanwhile, Sess and Bert are still trying to find Archie Davies and Bert's asking around and some guy who's living rough starts trying to come up on Bert and Sess comes up from behind and is like, hey, hey, what you doing? Hey, man. Hey, there's two of us now. Hey. <laughs> and basically saves him from an ass beating. Yeah, basically. Or really a stabbing. Like, <laughs> Yeah. This is Australia. Yeah. They do like to stab people. <laughs> they, they just take it up. Just... They turn it up to 11. Yeah, they really do. Like... <laughs> Fucking Australia. Just, just take it up a little little too far. Yeah. A little too far. But they do find Archie. Meanwhile, Dot's assignment has been to go question Dr. Mac about what kind of poison it could be. And she's like, well, I need some more specifics. Like, lots of poisons could be used, like... Pretty much everything in the house is poison, including those flowers. Yep. And she points out the purple flowers that Simon had brought over. That's Wolfsbane. Or, as any Revolutionary Girl Utna fan knows, Aconite. Wolfsbane. That's what the Brits call it. That's why it's called that in Australia. And, and monkshood. Mm-hmm. I feel like monkshood is more common here. Yeah. So Wolfsbane is more common in England and obviously Australia. Um, I like how it sometimes is called woman's bane because women do the poisoning all the time. <laughs> well, it's easier. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, Strychnine will bring on the revolution and no one will see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, saying. That's not the only reason Dr. Mac is there. She helps Miss Fisher and Jack test the magic formula. And the first time around, they do it wrong, nothing happens, but in Hebrew, you go right to left. Yes. So, she tries it again, and it makes artificial rubber. Oh, okay. So, it must be... The formula for rubber. Well, it might just be prop scribblings. Yes. This has given them a very good clue. Yes. So, back at Miss Fisher's residence, they give Archie Davies a shower and a scrub and a nice hearty breakfast, and she questions him, and he says he was just returning a book that he was paid to return he wasn't even paid he like refuses to admit that he was paid he refuses basically to admit yes okay i returned a book everything else i'm not Mm-hmm. keeps his mouth shut yeah but miss fisher wouldn't be miss fisher if she didn't notice his shoes on the way out 
Yes. Um, back at the bookshop, Miss Fisher is sorting through the books that were knocked over. And they do eventually find the Yiddish songbook that contained Saul's favorite poems that he read to Miss Lee. And including Raisins and Almonds, his favorite song. And very carefully, with gloves and all, they cut open the binding. And what do they find? At good night. Sorry, that's a very that's a very Utna callback right there. Yeah, gonna put that clip in. No, um, never mind. (laughs) And (laughs) there is probably zero people who will get that joke, but I like it. Ew, um, that's okay. <laughs> we have 65 uh, followers. It's possible. I know. <laughs> Maybe one of them. <laughs> um, well, not one to let a lead get cold. Miss Fisher heads over to Mr. Abraham's house, which looks exactly like her house, but from the back, and <clears throat> notices he is missing a plant in his yard. Unsurprisingly. A wolfsbane plant. All right. But then rushes in his brother, Kaim, who says that Simon's been kidnapped. So, no. I know. And he's like, we can't call the police or anything. And so Miss Fisher's like, we have to go at once. But Dot, you stay here. It's too dangerous. And call the police. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Miss Fisher, as they're rushing off to the market where they're supposed to drop the... Formula, I think is what he wanted. Um, yes. Miss Fisher looks at Heim's shoes and has a flashback. <laughs> and pulls her gun on him. Because it turns out he's the killer the whole time. Dun, dun, dun. They march down to where he has actually kidnapped Simon. But in a struggle, he knocks away Miss Fisher gun and he grabs it himself. And it turns out that he's the one who paid Saul to figure out how to make artificial rubber. It was his idea the whole time. But Saul decided to keep the formula secret because he wanted to sell it to make money for the Zionist cause. Yes. Meanwhile, Jack and Collins do eventually show up, but Haim takes Ben hostage and we learned that he had to leave everything behind when they emigrated, like his sweetheart and his business and all of that. Yeah. And eventually he ends up trying, like, there's a struggle and Simon gets shot. And Haim tries to commit suicide. And Miss Fisher keeps walking up to him and is like, put down the gun. And everybody's like, Miss Fisher, no, Miss Fisher, no. And she, then he, like, Pulls the trigger, and it's just clicks. To wrap up the episode, Miss Lee is released. Um, Bert lies and says that the guy who was going to buy into the cab couldn't come up with the money. And Seth says, it's fine. Alice has an aunt in the city who has a bungalow we can stay in. And... Back at the station, Miss Fisher sits across from Jack, grabs a couple shot glasses, and pours them both a drink. And we finally learn that Jack is separated from his wife, but a marriage is still a marriage. 
well, Sabrina? Did you figure it out? Um, it was either going to be Chaim or Yossi. And once Yossi died, I was like, well, it's Chaim. Yeah, I figured it out too. And it was, I definitely had an inkling before we saw Archie's shoes mm-hmm. that he would be the bad guy because there's definitely a lot of scenes and we didn't really go over them where he's like, oh yeah, my brother's the only one who could get an education. My parents could only afford one. Everything's about my brother. Mm. Very resentful. Yes. But in a very low-key, making light of it sort of way. Yes. Which is slightly Jewish stereotypical where they tend to be self-deprecating and stuff like that. It's one of the traits of Jewish humor. Yeah. I mean, there's that, but I was I was figuring they were trying to just downplay him as a potential suspect, too. Like, I mean, I guess a little bit to get into the, did you like this episode? I really liked how understated the writing and the acting was. And, yes. like, there was a part... When Miss Fisher is questioning Miss Lee, where obviously she says some wild stuff about free speech, but then later she's like, "You just," Miss Fisher's like, "Well, you don't seem very upset," and she's like, "You have no idea how I'm feeling." Mm-hmm. And I, that was very powerful. For it me. was. It was. And I felt like, and especially even at the end when Heim's like sobbing and trying to kill himself, like. He was such a believable character. He was like, he really mm-hmm. thought he was due. And it was just been one betrayal too many uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah. That made him crack. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought the acting was really, really great this episode. I thought, unlike the other special episodes, they didn't focus on like the Jewish stereotypey stuff. No, very true. There was no focus on it, but it was there as an undercurrent, which you had to be reminded that these people were Jewish. Mm-hmm. Like, the kind of... With Yossi and Lechayim, the, the heavier... The heavier... Either Eastern European or German accents. The fact that when um, Simon went to meet with Yossi and they spoke in Yiddish... I'm going to say yeah, it was I, Yiddish. It might I have been Hebrew. I think it was Yiddish. Um, I don't so, know. It sounded, it sounded very Germanic, but I don't hear a lot of Hebrew, so. Yeah. So, um, that was, it was like, oh, you have to speak in the foreign language so everyone knows your form. You know, that kind of thing. Well, see, I thought that was part of Yossi being rude. Yeah, like, also, my that, assumption I mean, was that they were doing that specifically because he didn't want to talk to Miss Fisher. Yeah. And so he was talking over her by speaking a mutual language that he and Simon spoke, yeah. but she and, would never understand. Yeah, and I can see that. I was so just waiting for her to be like, oh, speaking of, my nanny was <laughs> Yiddish or something ridiculous. I was just waiting for that because that's. That's Miss Fisher. <laughs> How disappointed I am in things sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, so I was like, okay, okay, she doesn't understand. I actually like that she didn't understand, you know, that she... Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, yeah, I, I could this see, was I a could, more subtle episode than most. I could see the rudeness, but I could also see, like, they have to remind you that they're Jewish. They're going, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, they might have been orthodox and in the 1920s you're going to see a lot more orthodox jewish 
people. Right. Which means that men and women are separated. That means that men stay, you know, keep their yarmulkes on, not just in uh, religious, you know, religious sorts of places and things like that. So, yes, I understand that it was an older Jewish set. Mm -hmm. But also, well, they brought the Jews in. Yeah. And I mean, but also, I mean, I thought it was, it was very clearly a immigration slash first generation story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too. Because Simon was sympathetic to the Zionist cause, but he also felt an extreme loyalty to his father who had kind of brought them here for a better life already. And he was kind of clearly reaping the benefits of a little bit of a better life. He, you know, he dressed well, like... He moved about with an ease that his father didn't seem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, I don't know. I thought overall, I really liked this episode. I thought it was a great mystery. Yeah, it was, it was a good mystery. It was a very good which, mystery. So I enjoyed the mystery, which is rare for Miss Fishes. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, once again, I enjoyed the set dressing. Um, everybody, so everyone was very well acted. I'm just always very careful about episodes about jewish people though they they did quite well there was still a little there wasn't anything anti-semitic there was still just small problematic things that Mm -hmm. i was just like okay i'll deal with it also you know it was slight foreshadowing and it was i was like this is a slightly too early for you know the jewish issue you know, maybe I was just like, oh, okay, sure. Because, you know, I thought that... I, what do you, what do you mean by that? I don't understand. I don't know, that. like, they had to have a, they had to have a Jewish episode because they couldn't have a Nazi episode. You know? Ah. Uh, <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Yes. So, the, so they had to Got have, it. they had to have emigrating Jews who were prosecuted, persecuted, you know? and Mm -hmm. forced out of their country for some other reason other than Nazis. And so (laughs) it's like, okay, I guess this is better than Nazis, but still kind of weird. I feel like this is the best that anyone could possibly make a very special episode. Yes. Of a cozy mystery. And it still had some of the elements that I don't particularly love about some cozies, which is uh, those incidences of coincidence, mm-hmm. um, where like, of course, the break into the bookshop happened while Miss Fisher was there. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. of all the hours in the night, the two yeah, are going to pass simultaneously. But that has to happen, or else there's no right? story. And right? it, it has. It doesn't have to happen, but it is a cozy thing, right? Yeah. Like, that's a thing that happens in a cozy mystery that doesn't necessarily... Ha- that happens in, like, serious mysteries at asynchronous times. Yes. And so that those are the kinds of things I hold against it. But I would, I would, I'd rate it pretty highly, actually, as, as a, a Miss Fisher episode. And, oh, like, yeah. for once... Out of all the, the Miss Fisher episodes, other than the first episode and this one, these two are probably the best... I would agree. Of the first five, these yeah. two, those two are the, absolutely my favorites that yeah. we've watched, for sure. And I think it was interesting, too, like, I feel like, and again, I'm going to have to rewatch the whole series now, which, oh, no, oh, so hard. <laughs> but I feel like there's also one of those things where it's like they got through the first two episodes and they were like, oh, shit, well, we can't just keep making episodes about a party girl and her party life, mm-hmm. right? Like, we have to 
mix it up because a party girl in her party life is going to get boring real fast. And yeah. so they went straight off the very special episode, Deep End, and this felt like a little bit like pulling them back. Yeah. If this had been the third episode, it would have been better. And then you can ramp up the very special episodes. <laughs> go subtle and then go big. But, you know, yeah. they had to keep her party lifestyle into the third episode. Yes. You know. Yeah. I did. I I did miss some of the outrageous outfits. Yes. I didn't get any Russian hats in this one. No. So, yeah. Did you like the episode? I I was I was torn. I liked it enough. Um, possibly I didn't pay attention to it enough. I was, my brain was wandering. Because mm-hmm. um, I watched it yesterday when I got my clearance. <laughs> For what fucking? Yeah, I got my clearance from Macedonia yesterday. I don't know what day it is because as a teacher on summer vacation, I don't know what days mean. <laughs> so I think I was distracted a lot. So maybe like I completely missed the scene where Dot talked to Dr. Mac. <laughs> it's like, she did. So when the Wolfsbane came up later, she was like, oh, I talked to Dr. Mac. And I was like, oh, that must have happened off screen. <laughs> And then I saw that Dr. Mac was in the cast, and I was like, I didn't fucking see her. I didn't see my favorite lesbian. What's happening? <laughs> What's going on? So, yeah. I was Your definitely- new true crime show is literally only about the episodes of Prizzy Mysteries for <laughs> lesbians kill people. My favorite lesbian. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Although that's probably not- You can't really do a whole, like, five episodes, because lesbians don't generally- go on crazy murder sprees so uh they do in cozy mysteries are you forgetting we've already had one of those that's true so dr mac doesn't kill anybody in miss fisher's murder mysteries but i think she's accused in an episode she is yes there you go it still works yeah uh did you like your wine yes it was a bit sweet though um so points off it was it was quite sweet like it has 25 grams of sugar in a serving. So it's quite sweet. That's right. You've got nutritional information. (laughs) (laughs) I've got nutritional information on the back of my wine for some reason. Okay. But like, so it was quite sweet. Like, very sweet. Like, Jesus. That's why I don't drink Moscatos. So, um, but it was good. It was actually quite good. What would you give it out of nine? Mm. I have to take points off for the sweetness because it's actually giving me a headache. So, seven and a half? Seven and a half. Okay, that's a pretty good score. Yeah. It's good. It's a very tasty wine, but it is quite sweet. I've been reminded why I don't drink Chardonnays. Yes. Especially sweet Chardonnays, which is bizarre. I mean, maybe it's not a particularly sweet Chardonnay, but it tastes very sweet to me. I do not drink sweet wines, ever. So, any amount of sugar, like, is a lot to me. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Now, I will say, obviously, I did open this bottle a couple of days ago, so it's been sitting in my fridge, opened, so that might have also affected things. That does mm-hmm. affect things. Uh, but I have finished half of my allotted glass. And I will say, I did drink a couple glasses. glass. I, again, I've been, this diet I'm put on, I can't, it's supposed to be A, low fat, so like, no cream sauces, nothing particularly fat, no fried foods at all. Yeah, no, no McDonald's. spicy foods. No spicy foods, no onions, no peppers, no garlic. All of these things. 
Uh, no tomato sauces. I would just tell them to take my gallbladder out. Right? Well, we don't know it's my gallbladder, so... Well, you don't necessarily 100% need it. So, take that out. Take the spleen out. Go ahead and take the appendix out while you're there. Everything. Just just harvest my organs already. (laughs) Those are all useless organs. They're just useless. They're just hanging out, taking up space, and then one day they explode and cause you enormous pain. So just take them out. (laughs) Just open me up. Yeah. Take them all out at the same time. It's fine. And it tasted fine when I cooked with it. It was good in the little thing that I made, which again, don't tell my doctor, but I put in a single clove of garlic, which is extremely restrained for me, and some shallot. Don't tell my doctor. Uh, I'm calling your doctor right now. But also, I'm so tired of eating flavorless food and then being sick after. Anyway, point is, it's not very good. They just Um, need to take your gallbladder out. And then you can, well... You still can't eat whatever. And greasy food does ruin you because the gall, you know, it releases. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know exactly. And I'm so not looking forward to the rest of my life. Don't even (laughs) worry about it. But I had one of my coworkers had her gallbladder removed and she ate, you know, junk all the time. So it's fine. Just eat whatever you want after you get your gallbladder out. Um, It's my. We don't even know it's my gallbladder. Let's just be clear. We don't know it's my gallbladder yet. It's totally a gallbladder. It's very likely in my gallbladder, but we don't know. Um, Take it out. Just take it out. (laughs) I don't know. I feel bad for giving this Chardonnay low marks because there's a lot riding against it. Like the fact that I did open it several days ago and I did drink it then and it was fine. Um, But it's not good tonight. (laughs) I don't know. And I don't really like Chardonnay and... I don't know. I'm going to give it a five and a half out of ten, but don't trust it. Try it for yourself. It was a good price. (laughs) Even before the sale, it was a good price. I'm sorry. I just almost had an explosive sneeze, which would have ruined everything you just said. So I was like... No, when I can mute those things. No, no. All right. Well, Sabrina, are you ready? It's time. It's time. We encourage everybody to follow us on social media. Uh, you can find me at Classlicity. You can follow me at SDM Rights. And we want everybody to follow us on our official Twitter account, which is at Wine Murder Night, because every four episodes we post a poll of what we should watch next. And well, obviously, at the beginning of the episode, we said this might be the last series we watch in a while. We don't know exactly, or we might be putting up episodes of uh, like one shot movie episodes. We'll see. Yes. Um, if we've got some extra time before Sabrina leaves. Yes. And, uh, but first, another wine and murder night first. Um, we put up a poll to highlight some of the best uh, people of color in the cozy mystery verse. And we had a tie between uh, Death in Paradise and uh, Ladies Number One Detective Agency. Yes. And so we are going to ro- roll my 20 sided die. To see which one it comes up as. So, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, why don't you set the terms? So 1 through 10 is going to be Death in Paradise. Okay. And 11 through 20 is going to be Ladies Number 1 Detective Agency. All right, I'm rolling, I'm rolling. It is a natural one. Woo! Death in Paradise. So we will be 
finishing up with Death in Paradise. So we will watch the very first episode of Death in Paradise um, next uh, for next episode. You can watch along with us. I believe it is still streaming on Netflix. It is. I can't wait because actually Death in Paradise is like my favorite cozy mystery of all time. Uh, and it makes you want to eat so much good food. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love all it. All the seafood. Just every seafood. And all the Jamaican food and like anything from the Caribbean. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, we also would love it if you subscribed to our podcast and left us a nice review. Um, you can find us on pretty much every single podcast app there is out there. Um, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, all of the things, Spotify. Um, but yeah, if you leave us a nice review, we'll give us a sh- give you guys a shout out. We really love our listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, and as what, Sabrina, we need to say? Spasiba. To Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed The Simple Life off the album Restart. This is our theme song. We love it very, very, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs>